Good evening, everyone. We are wrapping up our series, Just in Time. And it's been a wonderful series, um, looking to how the Lord has fulfilled the promises of the Scriptures, the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, and its implication, its implications to us. And so for today, I'd like to invite you all to open your Scriptures to Matthew chapter 2. It's going to be a, quite a long read. We'll read verse 2 up to verse 15. And when you're there, just type in the comment section, Bible, all right? Just to let everybody know that you're ready. Now, let's read this account together. I know it's familiar, but you know when you keep reading the Word, God speaks and reveals Himself in greater ways. So let's, let's, let's be in that attitude of continuously reading the Scripture, even if we are familiar with the stories. So get ready with your Bibles. Here we go. Matthew chapter 2. I'll start reading from verse 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Ju Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we ask of you today that you allow us to encounter you in a powerful way as the word is preached. Now, from this nativity story, God, we will learn new things. Because we have and face new challenges, especially this year. Lord, thank you that you make all things new. 
You will reveal new things to us. Give us new hope, new strength. Through the preaching of your word, this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. For our series, Just in Time. A similarity that um, the story we read, the characters here, had with the characters we read or we learned from in the previous series. By the way, if you didn't watch our previous um, sermons from the series Just in Time, you could watch the replays, okay? You could watch it on our YouTube or our Facebook. But the similarities that, uh, uh, the similarities they have or the challenges they had, they all experienced adversity. They all had an issue with adversity. So for Zechariah and Elizabeth, they had an issue about, they had a problem with, you know, Elizabeth being barren, all right? And they had a, a period of time where they had to wait until Zechariah could speak. For Mary, um, the issue she had was that she was given a calling. However, it was a supernatural thing. It required a lot of faith. It was something that was to be done in the supernatural, the kind of calling that God had for Mary. And so it took a lot of faith for her to be willing and to believe that it can happen in her lives. And Mary had some qualification issues as well based on the standards of her culture, but not in the standard of God. So in the same sense, here the characters had challenges, had odds against them. In fact, that's the title of today's, tonight's ceremony, Christmas Against All Odds. And wasn't that the case for the characters I mentioned from the preachings last week and for the characters right here? The characters we had here who had the odds against them were the Magi and, of course, the family, Joseph, Mary, and even the baby Jesus, right? And so, what we know in our minds that God defies all the odds. But there is a distance between knowing that and actually believing it and actually experiencing it. See, for some of you, things are doing well. I mean, we're all in this pandemic, but in your own life, probably in your own careers, things are doing well. All right? And, but for some of you, you're at a point of suffering. You're at a point of grief. You're at a point of anxiety. So really, when the odds are right there before you, here's where everything you know about the goodness of God becomes real in your life. So whether things are doing well right now, listen. Because you need to build your foundation. I don't mean to scare you, but Jesus himself said, in this world there will be trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So now that things are well, build your foundation in the, in the fact that God can overcome whatever happens. But if you're in a point of suffering right now, know. Know that God can bring hope and healing, restoration. And I know that's been challenged, but my prayers to the preaching of the Word, that against all the odds that you face right now, God will prove faithful, powerful. So God defies all the odds. Despite who we are, 
despite our sin and despite adversity. Now let's go through that one by one. Despite who we are. Verse 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, wise men from the east. This means that this, these wise men weren't Jews. Okay? And these men came, as verse 2 says, because they saw a star leading to the Messiah. So they knew who they were searching for. And they came to worship this person. Of course, they are drawing from a prophecy about the coming Messiah and from the signs from the prophecy. However, this Messiah was a Jew. They were Gentile. They were not supposed to be qualified to have a relationship, to come into worship. Like they had the system of worship before, the temple in these times, where there's a certain portion that the Gentiles, those who aren't Jews, could not enter and worship. They would be in the outer courts and they would just be allowed to stay up to that point. It was only the Jews who could enter and come somehow to be nearer the presence of God in that temple. But here are Gentiles who came to be face to face with the Messiah. And they know this because it was even prophesied before that this Messiah will be a light even to the Gentiles, be a savior to the Gentiles as well. Despite who we are, who are we? Am I talking about our weaknesses? No. What I'm talking about here is the fact that we too, we're not Jews. We're not the chosen people of God, quote-unquote, in terms of being a Jew. But we become chosen all of a sudden by means of adoption. We have been adopted and grafted in, Romans says, into the family of God by faith in Him. So despite who we are, we have been given access to come and worship God. So this idea of us worshiping God, this is a privilege. This is a gift that we can actually do this because originally, well, we weren't. There was a time when we couldn't. There was a point in history where we couldn't. Now we can. What's interesting about the book of Matthew is that it starts with this. This idea begins with the salvation of the Gentiles. It talks about that right here. The Magi, chapter 2. And then it ends in 28, talking about the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So if you think about it, it's kind of like bookends this book of Matthew. This idea of having the Gentiles worship this God. That Jesus making this invitation wider, opening the doors. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That's just amazing truth. 
And you know what? This idea, probably it's so all too familiar that sometimes we, don't, we take it for granted. The gift of salvation, the fact that we have been adopted into the, being children of God, into the family of God, many times we take this for granted. Many times this is overshadowed by, overshadowed by our desires, our dreams, our goals, our ambitions. Hey, we have received this great gift even before we were born. It was when Christ was born that this gift was already laid out. And in God's sovereignty, we, by faith, at, some, at the point in our lives, will receive that gift. Friends, let's be grateful for the gospel. Let's be grateful for the fact that we've responded to it. Verse 9, going, back, going forward to the story of the Magi. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Wow. They worshipped him. They, they didn't sing songs to this Jesus right there. They worshipped him by giving the best that they had. And that's really what worship is. But see, the point is, it's not about just them worshiping. It's that they were allowed to worship them. God gave them that sign. He allowed them to have that wisdom. They were astrologers and searching. They, they say this magi came from the same, um, they came from Babylon and some, somewhat from the same school of Daniel. Because remember, Daniel was there and, and, and he talked about, and, and there was a prophecy right there about the, the coming of the Messiah in, in such fashion. Like a star would come out. And so all of this was revealed to them. I mean to say God was inviting them. God gave them the privilege to worship Him. We hear this song, Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. It may sound like an exhortation, but if you think about it, it's an invitation. And the invitation stands to those who will believe that they can enter into the presence of God by by just believing in His finished work on the cross. Not because of our good works, not because of what we can give, but because of what He's done. We can worship with all that we have. We get the privilege to do that. We get the privilege of worship. We're not worthy to even stand in His presence, but we get the privilege to do so. You know, in our reopening of our worship services here at our center, you know, um, you could just see that, sense that with the people, just the gratitude of being together and worshiping God together in this very place. And it's not the place that makes this awesome, the worship awesome. It's just the manifest presence of God when we congregate. But see, the gratitude that we can actually do that must always be fresh as we think about the fact that our sonship, our being children of God, this is a gift. It's not based on who we are, what we've done. It is a gift. Therefore, let us treasure it. I have this to say. We can come and worship with our best because God gave His best. Not because of our best, 
but because God gave His best. Praise God for the gospel. From wherever you are, give a virtual clap and praise to the Lord. Make a comment right there. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Anything, say anything. Worship God. Express your worship right now in the comment section on Facebook. Even on YouTube, if you're right there, just thank God. We get to worship Him. Despite who we are. Second, despite our sin. Verse 3 and 7. We're reading from verse 3 and 7 right here. Now, we're going to talk about Herod. Right Now, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then, of course, you know this, Herod summoned the wise men, and he, you know, he fakes it. He acts as if, hey, go ahead and look for this guy, uh, this, this king, this guy. I want to worship him too. Let me know where he is so I can worship him. But of course, he was plotting to kill this Jesus. But the point is this. I'd like to show you from this pericope, or at least from this section, all right, sinful nature of man and tendencies that we may even have even today. First, think about this hero. He probably was insecure because this Jesus, he, he knew, he believed that Jesus was going to be king. He knew that this Jesus was somehow going to take his place. But he didn't really, his response was not to worship Jesus. His response was to feel threatened. And therefore, to, he wanted to plot to kill this Jesus. He wanted to rebel against this Jesus. He wanted to fight this Jesus. Now, another character here were the chief priests and scribes. Now, these people really knew, all right? I mean, they knew about a certain Messiah coming one day. However, when Herod told them that this guy actually came, hey, you know what? I talked to these Magi guys, and they saw this star and all that. Hey, the king is here, right? Could this be? And where, where, should, where would the king be born? And they knew where he would be born. They knew the location. They knew he was to be born and where. But they didn't care. They didn't care. So what I see here are two tendencies that we may have towards Jesus, who is Lord. First, rebellion. We can rebel against His Lordship. Why? We want to be the Lord of our lives. We want to make the decisions for our own lives. We want to set the course of our lives, and we ask God to bless the directions that we set. All of us have that tendency, even if we're believers at times, don't we? Second, we could be apathetic towards this Lord. Either we don't really care that much or there are other things that we care more about. And so, despite those tendencies that we have, whether before we were believers, obviously before we were believers, we were apathetic and rebellious, but even now that we may have those moments, even as believers, despite that, His faithfulness stands. Despite that, He called us out from darkness into light. Despite that, He is sanctifying us still. He is still with us, still speaking to us, still faithful to us, despite our sin. And that, to me, is one other gift that we need to celebrate this Christmas. Despite who we are, we weren't worthy by means of 
who we are, our, our race. But now, despite our sin, despite our tendencies, despite our rebellion, despite all that, God is with us still. And I'd like to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 once more and, and continue that. See, earlier we read, once you were not a people, but now you are people. But look at this. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Another text we can take hold of as believers is that your mercies are made new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We could even sing that, say that, praise God, and thank God for that right now. Even as believers. Because we fall short even right now. And yet His mercies are to receive and they're made new every morning. We have a faithful God, friends, who is faithful to us as He has welcomed us into His family, as we've received mercy at that point, and as we receive mercy day by day. So despite who we are, despite our sin, and look at this, despite adversity, despite the challenges that we face. Now this, the family, this family, Mary, Joseph, and of course the baby Jesus at this point, they experienced adversity, right? They, they were the ones who was really um, experiencing adversity here. Verse 12, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take this child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For here it is about to search for the child to destroy him. Wow. Think about that adversity. I mean, Jesus, as a baby, his life was already threatened. <laughs> Verse 14, And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. We see here that the Magi was warned by a dream. Okay? Sure, Jesus' life was at stake, but maybe Herod would have killed the Magi as well. Right? It could be that the Magi's life were, was in trouble if they, had to go, if, they go, if they went back to Herod and reported that the baby was there. There was protection. There was provision. But also Joseph here, look at that. He also was warned in a dream as well. He was warned in a dream to, and, and instructed to take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. There was, direct, there was direction. There was not just a warning this time, but there was direction. See, what we can learn at this point when we have adversity, God provides protection. And God gives direction. Sometimes we pray to the Lord, Lord, take us out. We pray for the easy way out. We pray for a golden ticket out of our problems. We pray for a miracle to happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, nothing is impossible with God. God can do creative miracles today as He did before in the past. We know that. We believe that. We should believe that. However, if you think about it, it doesn't work that way most of the time. For all of us believers, most of the time, 
God allows us to be at a point, at a place of adversity. And hey, if it happened to the Lord Jesus, even as a baby, why can't it happen to us? Because we ask God, why me? <laughs> well, if it happened to the Lord, why, why not us? But here's the point. God allows us to go through adversity. But when we're there, we experience His divine protection and His divine direction. He allows us to experience the miracle of us seeing that though the enemy is within sight, though the threat is there, we will not be destroyed by it completely. Sometimes you may be affected physically, emotionally, mentally, but it will not destroy us. We can still stand. We can overcome. Our faith will be preserved. And we can live to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wow. And also, in a point of adversity, God directs us. God gives us wisdom. Sometimes the wisdom is so specific. <laughs> God directs us. The same way that He was so specific here, take the child to Egypt. And we'll talk about why Egypt later on. But the point is, God directs us at the time of adversity. You know what? In times of adversity, it's where we could see how good our God is, how powerful He is, how providential He is. I heard from someone that you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So if you've lost things this year, if you've lost loved ones, if you've lost a lot, listen, you have your Savior with you. You have Jesus right there. And He's with you. And He will provide direction and wisdom on how to navigate through adversity, through whatever you're going through right now, just as He did right there in the past. Now, as I close this, verse 15, I'd like to go back there and focus on this fact that it mentions there that this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, this wasn't just a random um, direction given. Uh, just go to Egypt, it's far. It wasn't just a practical advice or a practical direction or a practical instruction because Egypt was quite far. No. This was to fulfill a prophecy in the Old Testament. Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 says, when, a, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. This was to fulfill a prophecy. And why does God fulfill prophecies? To show that He is faithful to His Word. What promises do you have from God that you are kind of like doubting? Let me tell you this. God is faithful to His Word. And, but the, pro the problem is we doubt the, the promise because of the time element. We say, Lord, ang tagal na. Kailan ba mangyayari? Mangyayari pa ba? Will it still happen? Anong petsa na, Lord? We have all these questions and struggles. We struggle with the time element. But you know, in, 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 in the history of Israel, in, in this story, in this narrative of the Lord coming 
we will see that God is never late, but He is, he is always on time. All right? There are no delays to the Lord. His timing is always perfect. So as I wrap this up, remember our verse when we started the series, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Right? The central verse for this entire series. It says there, but when the fullness of time had come, and let me tell you why Paul was convinced to say that the time when Christ came was the fullness of time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why did Paul, why was Paul convinced that it was the best time? It was the right time, that it was the perfect time of God. You know, in those times, when Jesus arrived, this was the time when now the Romans were now occupying. But prior to the Romans occupying, the Greeks were, right? And, and so the Greek culture had spread, and so did their language. Now, because of the Greek language spreading, the Greek was used by even the Jews, Koine Greek, as they call, which is common Greek, was used. It was like somehow like a secondary language to them, all right? Something like English to us right now. Now, why is that important? Because now many people can understand each other, right? Many people can now understand each other. Remember, uh, a lot of people, all people from, from even different tribes, different nations, somehow have a point understanding one another. Another thing, when the Romans came, um, because it was a, the empire, right? It was a Roman empire. There are different countries that they, that they, that they, that they led. There were, they, they had to make roads connecting, right? Each other, those countries to each other. So that travel would be easy. Trade would be easy. I mean, and those roads are in existence right up to now. If you go to those nations, Roman roads. Now, why is this important? What, what's the connection? Well, a time would come when these roads would be used by those people later on <laughs> to deliver the gospel message to the nations, to the other nations, to the Gentile worlds. The gospel would have been propagated easily during this time. And also in this time, you know, there was a lot of religions and a lot of philosophies. Like with, along with the Greek culture came Greek philosophies and, you know, and now the Roman kind of thinking came as well. And, and so there's so much philosophies. And the people at this point were flooded with so much new things. And they were like, their hearts were just ready for the truth. There were a, a lot, some commentators say that people at this time were... were, were sick and tired of all these other things, these philosophies and religions that really did not bring true contentment and joy and wisdom. And so their hearts were ready. Their hearts were burning and ready for the truth. See, why was it the right time, the perfect time for the Lord, for the Christ to come? Because God prepared human history for the first Christmas because it was the perfect time. It just was the perfect time. This tells us that there's, there are no delays to the Lord. So, my brother and sister, hang on. Stay the course. 
no matter what you're going through, despite all the odds, against all the odds, remember, we have a God whose timing is perfect. And we have a God who, has over, who overcame it all. Therefore, we can trust in Him. Let me leave you with this point. Despite the odds in this time, we can rejoice and have faith because we have a God who is always on time. This is something we can hold on to no matter what season we're in. Whether we're in season of plenty, let this build a strong foundation for us so that when trials come, we can stand. If we're in a season of, you know, so-and-so, just it's kind of like neutral now, well, may this bring fire in our hearts that we won't be lukewarm in our faith, but we would always be in faith, excited, knowing that the best is yet to come. But if we're in a point, we're in the fiery furnace, may, the message, may this message bring us Make us strong in that furnace. Mold us instead of break us. May the fires of suffering and pain mold us into Christ-likeness. Strengthen us. Because we have a faithful God who will not leave us there in the fire, but will refine us, will mold us, that we may be used even more for His glory. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for your word. God, we thank you for your presence, even from wherever we are right now. God, thank you that you're ministering to each and every one, whatever state we're at. And Father, thank you that, Lord, you have overcome all the odds. And therefore, we could truly say, Merry Christmas, not just as a means of greeting each other, not because everyone's saying greeting each other that way now, but Lord, because it is true, we could be merry, we could be joyful, we could be hopeful, for we have a God who has overcome it all, therefore we can overcome it all. A God who has a plan, a perfect plan for us, therefore we can stand on that and have faith. Father, I pray for each and every one right here, Father God, that you strengthen them. Thank you, Father, for your word. 